filthy animal. All right. I have a Christmas sweater that says Merry Christmas, you filthy animal. It's <laughs> a good one to have. You got that off of Amazon? All right, team. Uh, <laughs> can we settle somewhere? Anywhere? <laughs> anywhere not next to your food Here pool. we go. I feel like I should just go ahead and move it. Probably he's like, not a bad yeah. idea. He keeps considering it, and he's like, hmm... Wait until the critical moment to interrupt. Just for some pre-show, uh, it's about to storm outside, team. All the animals are freaking the fuck out right now. We're going to see uh, how <laughs> we do today. Food <laughs> <laughs> Jax is surrounded by cats trying to eat his food bowl in the middle of the living room. Just before the storm. And as the Joker once said, here we Welcome to the Nightmare Box, presenting Mistakes Were Made. My name is Brett Bloom, and I'm sitting across from the beautiful, the effervescent. Jax, don't... What, what, what is it, a third adjective? The beautiful, the effervescent. German. The one with the show notes, Kristen Pennington. <laughs> I don't even have, like... <laughs> A single show note. I'm, I'm, I'm just watching the dog watch me watch the dog. It's Okay, here we go. <laughs> Kristen's taking control of the ship today. Jesus, I was editing one. in our fine dining establishment uh, this morning and didn't have time. So, <laughs> so life update. Um, I was solicited once again. By a prostitute? Yes. And uh, we had a wild, wild... Can't admit that on the air. Tuesday night. It's illegal. (laughs) No. Uh, I was solicited once again by a distributor. It's a different one. Mm -hmm. Um, I think an American one, if I'm not mistaken. I haven't really had time to look into the company um, about the dolls. So it's apparently our year that people are recognizing a year later. That I made a film. <laughs> I mean, that works. We should definitely take a look at it. You know, we were we've been having some issues with the Italian one, so I think those talks more or less fell away. But well, I told her I would reconnect with her after the move because, oh, okay. um, but she didn't respond back to that, so she may not want to reconnect with me. But there was an exchange of relatively personal information that needed to happen that I wasn't comfortable with with a stranger. Yeah, and an international. Yeah. Kind of um. And I don't know, based off of, because I glanced at their site, but I didn't really have time to super look into them, um, this other company, I don't know that they're going to give us any money from the mm-hmm. cells is the thing that seemed kind of strange. It seemed like they just like wanted... Like exposure deal. Yeah, like yeah. to distribute it and we just get the exposure. I don't know. So that's been interesting. Um, I know... We're getting somebody's attention. Yeah, I know virtually <laughs> nothing about this stuff. So if you're someone who uh, works in distribution or marketing or whatever, that's kind of what today's episode's about. So feel free to hit me up. Yeah, you can uh, send us that email over at... Uh, nightmareboxproductions at gmail.com. And let us know what sketchy shit we need to be looking out for. <laughs> What's legit? What are the stages? If you, Even if you aren't a distributor or anything like that if you've been through this before and you have some advice feel free to hit me up uh-huh. uh, this company messaged my work email like not my work yeah. work like I have my own personal email for my film work and this company messaged me there so I'm assuming they found 
the YouTube and then my email on the YouTube. But we're getting some exposure. That's kind of yeah. cool. So uh, if you want to help us get more exposure so I don't even need these distributors, feel free <laughs> to share the dolls with your friends and anyone you want to disturb. Hell yeah. Maybe not your family. <laughs> we got that. We have yet to be rejected. And today is four weeks. Four weeks today. So we've yet to be rejected from the university job. I'm expecting to hear something this week, one way or the other. Fingers fucking crossed. Uh, otherwise, I might be whiskey drunk on the next episode. Like, <laughs> record on Sunday. Just to Ralu my way from 10 o'clock in the morning all the way through 5. And get on here and start screaming about, you know, academia or some shit. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, yeah, fingers crossed for good news because we have, I'm assuming, made it to the final tier of. It's the final tier of the I figured we were going to naturally wind into the circus theme song. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I wake up to every morning. <laughs> no, sometimes you get to wake up to, like, you know, um, achy breaky heart. What? No, it's usually, like, something, like... Some Elton John? Metal. Yeah. Or, I'm like, <laughs> screaming five-finger death punch lyrics that I, like, only remember three at a time. Like, it's just start screaming them in your face. <laughs> I... I... Woke at up to no point news this morning, so I was pretty pumped about that. At no point in my day do I have the level of energy that Brett like attains after one cup of coffee <laughs> not even a full cup it's miracle juice yeah. for him and for me i'm just like god please shoot me that cigarette that first <laughs> swig and i'm like let's cook <laughs> and that goes until about 11 o'clock at night when i'm like thrash and i'm still coming at the world with that level of energy <laughs> it's like, Brett, we have to go to bed <laughs> we have to wind down at some point it is monday <laughs> <laughs> Uh, speaking of uh, the fancy, fancy diner, though, um, any updates you want to give on how your book is going? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm a bad writer, and you guys should just ignore all my... No, I'm joking. Um, still uh, trying to stay positive about all that. Um, as I've mentioned before, the story is there. The writing is bad. Uh, I've found whole places that need to be completely gutted, scenes that need to be just removed altogether, places where I need to add a different kind of thing. Uh, I think all the scares are still pretty solid, and they're only going to get better as I continue. Um, but it is disheartening. <laughs> I feel like that's actually a good sign, though. Like, I, I get if I was in that position and I was editing my own work and I felt yeah. that way about it, I would probably feel disheartened, too. But, like... You wrote that before you went to college. If you, like, went to college and did all the shit you've done since you first wrote that and you picked it back up and thought, this is still gold, like, I still love this, I would There'd be concerned. Be yeah, I would be concerned. I would be suing the school. <laughs> <laughs> I learned nothing or I have the most massive ego. <laughs> oh, it definitely needs the harsh rework that I've set out to do. Um... But that's okay, because I also got editing, uh, or not editing notes, I got, I guess, the second draft back from my client, who I just finished their novel. Uh, they sent me the uh, revised draft of the first copy. I refuse to say it's done yet, because it still needs work. But she really put in the, um, 
the effort to take the notes into consideration. There were notes that she didn't take into consideration that I, I think she will if I have an opportunity to explain further. Take them there. Jess, up. if you throw up on my foot, I'm going... <laughs> okay, that's oh. exactly what we're going to try to do. You okay? Uh, do we need to pause? Let's... I, I can't tell if he's just trying to cough or... Okay, well, thanks. <laughs> I appreciate that. Do you just want to be vocal on the air today? <laughs> Little Mr. Needy, why don't you go lay down? Don't come throw up on my foot either. <laughs> so, yeah. No, uh, she ignored. Yeah, some of them um, she was right to ignore, and but because of the revisions that she made, like what she initially set out to do made sense. Mm -hmm. uh, there are definitely notes that I will have once we start working on this all over again. But I'm not doing it chapter by chapter as she writes the rewrites in because yeah. I need her to get the rewrites done so that we can go in and actually edit the thing. Yeah. Uh, but she's making some big steps. She she took a lot of my notes about including uh, smaller details, like the really small things in a room that you don't notice because you only need like one or two of those to like ground um, your reader into the scene. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't need to describe the whole living room for example, to discuss us having this conversation. Um, I can describe this table or like the sweat off the beer, you know, uh, the way that the, the, the cord swings, mm -hmm. you know, my headphone cord. You, you, you bring in like those super small details and it's going to do better than going, well, they had a rug in the middle of the floor and the TV was a little dusty and there was a couch on the opposite side of the room and opposite the main window. There they sat at a table. Like none of those details bring you to the table. Yeah. So cutting all those extra details that don't make sense, you know, for what you're talking about, viewing it in your head like a camera lens, just swooping the corner and aiming at the table instead of getting a long shot of a whole bunch of shit that isn't necessary. Yeah. You almost have to think about it um, like you're writing a play and the stage needs to be set, you know, for that exact scene. Yeah, so you that's actually a good way yeah. of looking at it. You, you don't have the whole room when you're watching a sitcom. You have half of a room because half of the room is the audience. So everything that is on that half of the room needs to make sense. Yeah. I think I made a really smart point. Yeah, I like that. I'm proud of myself. I, <laughs> I would have thought about that through, um, <laughs> yeah, a camera lens, but I mean, a play is a very good example. Yeah. You can only put so many things up on the stage. If you don't need a couch for the scene, you're not going to see a couch on the stage. Yeah. <laughs> and then, too, like a lot of the time with the stage, uh, it's almost like you took the house and cut it in half and yeah. you're looking into the half still left. That's why I was thinking of it like a sitcom mm -hmm. kind of way, but yeah. The Jackson Winston cut him. <laughs> you see him? Yeah, that's really cute. <laughs> They're literally like snuggled up next to each other. He decided to stop being a bastard. Yeah. Winston's been being a bastard lately. But she took that um, she took that advice and she put it into the story and I, I, I really enjoyed it, you know, oh. as much as I'm going to enjoy it. Uh, it's not really my genre. It's not a thing that I'm going to be excited to read, you know. Um, but it, it grounded me more into being able to walk through, you know, in her case, the house during the morning routine. Mm -hmm. um, 
that allowed me to like follow her around because when she's in the bathroom, you're not, to, you know, she wasn't writing about when she went to the bathroom. This would be another example, but like she goes into the bathroom and it's like there were, you know, dots on the um, mirror and they're toothpaste was crusty you know like those small details tell yeah. you more about the overall bathroom than you know, trying to lay out everything yeah. so she had one line where she uh, was explaining that she didn't wear shoes or she goes I wasn't wearing shoes I never really wear shoes uh, unless I'm going to work but then she expanded upon that thought instead of just leaving it at that and she used it to like travel into a small background for her character mm. by growing up in this rural place where she liked to feel the grass beneath her feet. And by giving that one detail, you get she doesn't wear her shoes. She doesn't like shoes. That's kind of a part of her personality. But you also get that glimpse into the childhood via this really specific detail of blades of grass coming through your toes. Yeah. It's, you, you know, subtle imagery to create bigger pictures. And an insight to the character. Yeah. There's my uh, my writer's rant about how my <laughs> editing at the diner went. <laughs> I like that though. That's that's interesting. I I wouldn't have thought of it like that. Um, while Brett was doing significantly more productive work, I was browsing the internet um, and looking at a Jehovah's Witness pamphlet. <laughs> yeah, there I was trying to think of show notes, and there was a pamphlet on the table between us that was like what to do when you don't want to be alive anymore. <laughs> I was like, well, we've already done episodes about depression, yeah. so let's maybe not revisit that topic today. <laughs> but like in, in filmmaking, like you could use, and I'm sorry to continue this <laughs> like little train of consciousness. Today's a chill day. Yeah. Um, you could use that pamphlet in a very big way to tell a lot about that scene if you wanted to shoot you and I in the diner. I wish somebody would shoot me in an actual diner. No. <laughs> Godfather style. Uh, <laughs> <coughs> I think if that happens for you, you're, you're at least like interesting to the people in the immediate area. It's like, well, they fucked him up in public now. Um, but no, you could use that that little brochure to like really set a tone. And there were a lot of a lot of little options there, so you could alter a whole scene by you know pages in a brochure. And the type of people that were there today. Yeah. It was a strange day at the, yeah, the diner. Like a fucking like eight foot tall dude yelling at his, I don't know if it was his niece or his girlfriend. Like He's four foot tall. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you stay here. I got shit to do. <laughs> Where are you going, Hulk? <laughs> he's got, got people to save. Yeah, he's, got, he's got shit to do. I mean, he definitely sounds angry. About having to drop somebody off at the laundry mat. <laughs> You keep an eye on her. Two. Don't let anybody take her. And I'm like, why is that? I'm not a babysitter slash escort for your fucking wife. I don't know who this person is. <laughs> Two different ways of looking at life, though. This is inconvenient or this is a good time to get work done. Exactly. We got work done. We got a shitload of work done. Kristen got a picture of me with manuscript and, you know, page in hand, taking notes. Which I may throw that up on the Instagram later. So feel Hells free to, to follow yeah. the Instagram at Nightmare Box Production. That was the smoothest one you've done yet. <laughs> I'm so, getting better at this. We, Kristen does have some show notes today. So I do. I'm let her oh, no, it's a, it's a casual day. We can kind of drift around because my show notes are more uh, just passing thoughts I was having at the, the fancy diner. While fancy eating, diner while getting eating yelled my at fancy by an breakfast. eight foot tall man. 
But um, there was a businessman in there today. Did you see him? Yeah, sitting on the other side. Yeah, and he was just sitting there, arms folded, staring straight ahead. And I you know, like, this dude probably lives in that like three million dollar mansion that's like right up the road from the fancy diner. <laughs> you know, like his laundry machine went out this morning. He's it's like, God damn it, this should never be a problem I have. <laughs> Sulking about having to hang out with us low lives. I had to drive here in a Cadillac. <laughs> wash my clothes. I have seen very nice cars out there before, and I'm just like, hmm. <laughs> What's your story? Yeah, but they're normally very nice or they're very nervous and they don't hang around very long. This dude was like, I'm staying in the laundromat. I'm going to be pissed off about it the entire time. <laughs> yeah, I've seen some people come there and they'll just sit in their car and wait. Yeah, the dude in the Tesla. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was like, with his laptop, like just sitting there like. He's like, I got shit to do. Not associating with you peasants. <laughs> you going to do day trading on the stock market. Mm. <laughs> in the fucking parking lot of the... There's a character for you. Free character. <laughs> Just give homework assignments based on people that get brought up in our conversations. <laughs> it's like, write about that dude. Well, that's kind of the original uh, concept of the Nightmare Box. Um, it was. It was $20 movies. and Yeah, like uh, random ideas. Like yeah, shit you can figure find. Figure it out. Yeah, your, your wicker ball that you, yeah. <laughs> you've collected. I, oh, I love it. Um, <laughs> yeah, one of the initial ideas for the Nightmare Box was that you would have a $20 prop budget where your story would have to focus. And we're still trying to figure out the legalities of a lot of this shit. But um, your movie would have to, or story would have to focus on these three objects that you bought from a Goodwill or a thrift store for less than $20. But you could buy some pretty cool shit <laughs> in a Goodwill or a thrift store for less than $20. So... It could be anything from like a dress and like a lamp and, you know, an ashtray that you found to a, 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 a half-worn out dildo. <laughs> like, oh, like please the, wash it first. A ceramic doll and a VHS tape. But you would have to find three things and incorporate them into a story and shoot the film. So uh, keep your eyes open because those are coming soon. We just have to hammer out some guidelines for submission and I haven't gotten around to doing that in about eight months so <laughs> it's been busy you've had a contract you've been working on and been working on your stuff yeah. and the move and all that so it it's coming when we're settled so homework sure. assignment for the week go out there and tell me a story about a guy who would have a Tesla and a computer in a laundromat parking lot or a giant Hulk who's angry at the or world. Or a giant a Hulk who is obviously slapping around his 14-year-old child's bride. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that was his girlfriend. She was just very petite. <laughs> uh, you can send those submissions to... Uh, nightmareboxproductions at gmail.com. And I'll read them on the air. I don't give a fuck. Send them in. <laughs> Ooh, that would be fun, having yeah. people send in, like, little short stories. No more than 2,000 words, and I'll read it on the air. <laughs> um, but, yeah, while uh, Brett was being legit productive at the diner, uh, <laughs> I was browsing... Enjoying my Egg McMuffin. <laughs> yeah. I was browsing the internet, and I stumbled across an article that kind of made me laugh um, when I really thought about it, because uh, we've been... Like, every once in a while, we'll, we'll treat jacks to what we call a special dinner 
And uh, we've been working on trying to get him to say, I love you. Mm-hmm. He's very temperamental about it. Like, he'll <laughs> pretty much only say it when he wants special dinner. He's like, I'll tell you that I love you if you give me a treat. <laughs> and, um... He's looking over here like, the fuck you say? It's like, there's not special dinner in this bowl. Don't talk to me. There's all sad dinner and thunderstorms. Oh, now he's coming over. You've woken the, the now, you beast. Said, you said SD, and that's a problem. You can't say SD, you can't say the W word. Ajax. But, um, yeah, so while Brett was working um, on his edits, I stumbled across an article... I think while well, I was dicking around on Facebook or Twitter or something, um, talking about this dog um, that somebody owns yeah. that they uh, post I pictures so. of. <laughs> Shut up. That they post pictures of on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And like one of their posts, I guess, got shared through like some other thing. And they like almost immediately picked up like 200,000 extra followers on Instagram. God damn. And so their their dog is internet an famous Instagram celebrity yeah. and um the owner like like did an interview or whatever and was talking about like oh yeah after we got like this many followers we started getting like sponsor offers and now we do like sponsor yeah. content Grumpy Cat is on t-shirts Grumpy, Grumpy Cat passed away Yeah but that so that family is making bank off yeah. the image of a cat that they adopted Yeah and um 2019 is a weird time to be alive <laughs> yeah same thing with this dog uh they were saying that they were probably going to limit their posts only doing like a handful yeah. a month just so you know they weren't like i guess stressing the dog out or whatever but like the article was like yeah like they get paid this much per this many followers and even if they only did you mm-hmm. know three or four posts a month they had a potential to earn eighty four thousand a year yeah on Instagram posts of their dog. That's all you need. And that's just fucking madness. Welcome to 2019. <laughs> fucking madness. Like, it's a little disheartening. Remember people told you you needed a job? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a little disheartening when you're trying to share your shit that you worked months on, and it's like, oh, I just I have a cute you. pup. <laughs> I'm, I'm up against all of the female writers of Instagram. Because you don't have tits. Yeah, I don't have tits. You, you follow, like, I'm not saying every female writer, so before I have the, the fucking horde come after me, I'm not talking about all of you, but you know who the fuck I'm talking about. It's the girl who's like, you know, am reading, and it's just like her tits at, it at the beach, and then there's a book, like, pressed between the tits. That you can't really yeah. see. Or it's like, here I am writing, and it's like her with, like, one ankle up on the table, the other, you know, at a fucking... 45 degree direction so you just look up her skirt and she's you know etching something into a notepad <laughs> but yeah that she's had me fit 5 million followers she hadn't sold a book <laughs> <laughs> so you're not writing lady you're modeling and you need to be more honest because I need the am writing people I can't have you over here whoring your way into my lifestyle <laughs> but that had me thinking because um, I think I saw that article while I was on twitter and I recently stumbled across um, the hashtag film Twitter. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty much just dozens and dozens and dozens of people. Like, some of them do kind of post their opinions about films yeah. and, like, their actual discussions going on. But it's a lot of people just posting essentially, like, 
poll type questions. They're like, of these four directors, yeah. who's your favorite? That Tweet happens. back and let me know. That happens a lot in like the writing community. Yeah, and it's like clearly like a gimmick to just get your tweet boosted because the yeah. more replies, the more retweets, the more likes and all that, the more people see it. And like, I like have spent a long time because I, I used to like model and act and all that crap before Brett and I and that and like I've spent like years trying to like establish I did not get you out of modeling and acting can we make no, that no no I, I quit before Brett the way and I you met. said it it sounded like before we met I used to model and act and, and now I just cook dinner in my underwear Brett <laughs> crushed all my hopes and dreams now I quit I, I quit a couple of years before Brett and I met because it didn't it wasn't personally fulfilling for me. Yeah. Um, if you enjoy it, kudos to you. I, it wasn't my scene. Sorry for calling you a horror earlier, people. <laughs> enjoy it. No, I mean, there's a difference. Like, I get that modeling for a living is a profession, but, like, yeah. that, that level of, like, social media is, like... Well, when you're using... Look I, at I, me! I, I don't know. I, I have a hard time taking a woman seriously as a writer if she can't get by on the merits of the Her writing. actual work, yeah. You can be pretty and write. You can take modeling pictures and be a writer. I'm not saying those two things can't exist, but keep your modeling pictures out of my hashtag am writing. <laughs> and I Live did, actually. <laughs> <laughs> that was a discussion. I mean, I didn't make that decision based on anything Brett said, but that was a discussion we had when we first started dating because I still had, like, old modeling photos and mm -hmm. stuff, like, in with, like, my business page on Facebook and then with my Instagram and I did go through and delete quite a few of them because I was like it did feel like gimmicky like oh like hey here's yeah. an attractive photo of me but also like I just want you to look at my movie. <laughs> so I'm trying to get you to read not masturbate. Like I don't know what I mean. <laughs> if I write something that makes you masturbate uh, best case scenario. <laughs> But you're a weird person if you masturbate to the kind of things I write about. So just take that <laughs> into consideration with the therapist. But, <laughs> like, okay, so stuff like that had me thinking, like, what is, like, trying to market yourself as a creative mm -hmm. person, like, in 2019? Because that is, I mean, it's not even just writing. Like, that's a, a reality for social media, period. Like, attractive. There's so much goddamn noise. Yeah, like attractive people in general, not just specifically women, like yeah. shirtless photos or like lots of cleavage. Dudes, dudes or, yeah. do the exact same horseshit. Yeah, and yeah. like yeah. I like struggle so much with like at what point are we all just jacks performing for a treat? Yeah. Versus actually making meaningful connections. <laughs> I don't know. Are you actually making the art or are you just looking for attention? I think that's uh, the huge first starting ground. I can't blame a girl who takes those pictures to try to get a following. You got an asset. I yeah. can see why you would go that route. Yeah. Um, but if the writing is impeccable and you're also very pretty, like I can't hinder you from trying to do both of them. Yeah. But if you uh, write like sixth grade level horseshit that isn't well thought out, Get out of my am writing. Are the people that do that, like, I've found usually only post, um, like, the photos of themselves or whatever to get the likes, and if they post 
something that doesn't get the same level of attention, they go back and delete it later, or they don't post any of their work at all. It's like, oh, I'm a writer, but you're never going to read my work. I've had a whole... (laughs) I have a hard time as a writer with Instagram, because I I just put up pictures of that I take or that you take Mm -hmm. um, about kind of the the things that we do. Yeah. For a while I used to take like quotes from the short story that I put out and then throw the link in so like hopefully the the quote clipped you and you're like I like the quote and then you'd go in and go click over to the website. Mm -hmm. Um, But then you have the issue uh, where a lot of like kind of like a meme you know like if you came up with a meme your meme can be stolen and flows around the internet and never comes back to you. Yeah. So if I had a quote and then that one took over, then it could get attributed to literally anybody else in the world. And then my story looks somebody like could easily Photoshop <laughs> out your name. Yeah. Or just take the quote and just write that in a different, you know. Yeah. So I don't know how it's done. I'm not good at it. I know that. But you do... Um... Like, a lot of exchanges with other writers and stuff on Twitter. Like, yeah. I've noticed, because we follow each other on Twitter, like, you'll have conversations with other writers and stuff like that. And, like, that's more... Like, I like that style of marketing. Well, that's like that's what even, I look for on Twitter, and those are the ones that I answer. Yeah. I'm like, hey, I'm working on a character. They're doing X, Y, Z. Can you tell me why they might do that? I'm like, fuck yeah, I can hop yeah. on here in 100. Because it's, like, a more genuine connection. Yeah. Like, I mean, granted... Like, a lot of the time, that's within just the writing community or the film community or whatever. You're not necessarily engaging with, like, your audience, per se, at that level. But, like, it helps build up your community, which then hopefully expands your audience as well. And, like, I like that better. Like, let's have a meaningful conversation, not post, like, a gimmicky post just because you're trying to get... Yeah attention. Here's a picture of the beach. I'm writing a story about the beach. It's like, I just... I don't know. It's weird, and we're the first kind of people that have to deal with it. <laughs> Social media is frustrating. And then I, too, like, I do little teasers. you still got agents, and the agents are like, I'm sick of getting all of these, you know, types of things. And it's like, I don't, I don't know who I'm competing with. That's mm-hmm. why the Nightmare Box exists. Because <laughs> at a certain point, right, like, you reach this, it's so loud out there. I need to create my own corner. I'm going to hang out in my corner and do my best to pull people into my corner. But I can't keep engaging with like three or four different social media accounts trying to ah, you, you just do what you can and create your own place where work's actually getting done. The thing that's so bizarre about social media like in this day and age too, I don't know if you've experienced this or not, but like... God bless um, our brave men and women at the, uh, is that the firefighter or the ambulance? It's a firefighter. Mm-hmm. I think so, yeah. yeah. Um, but like even, like I, I try, like I'm not going to say I've not posted, you know, photos before where I'm like, that's a cool photo. Like maybe that'll, like, yeah. some people will like that. But like I, I post mostly, um, like samples of my work or like behind the scenes stuff or whatever. Like every once in a while I'll post a selfie just cause people like pictures of our food. I don't, I don't post those on my Instagram oh, anymore. Oh. Like I don't do that on Instagram. I used to like do food pictures like every once in a while. I think I bragged on like our Valentine's dinner or something. So I think that's on my Instagram, but, um, 
yeah, I try not to do food photos because that is is very cliche Instagram. (laughs) But, like, I I, I try to post, you know, stuff that's actually involved in my work. And I I am weirdly, because that's a weird social media thing that I think only women do and men don't give a flying fuck about. Like, I try to make my Instagram aesthetically pleasing so the colors kind of blend into each other. That's interesting. Yeah, that's like a... Like, I am not at the level where some people on Instagram, literally, if you open their Instagram and you scroll everything in their Instagram, all the hundreds of posts that they have will be in a color scheme. So it's like, everything's kind of pink themed or everything's kind of red themed or whatever. And I, that's too much work and way too limiting. I'm not doing all that bullshit. But like, if I post a black and white, I'll try to do like another black and white near it. So it's like somewhat like, got a flow to the colors, like... Oh, like, we were a little yellow, and now we're bleeding into greens mm. and then blues. Like, I try to, if yeah. you scroll my Instagram, it looks sort of like the colors bleed that's into each other. Yeah, that's a, a social media science. Like, the time of day that you post. And well, I know that. I know the, like, the early yeah. like, seven and seven are, like, your big Yeah, the, the day of the week that you post. Like, apparently mm. that shit makes a difference. And for women specifically, I guess, if your Instagram is visually, aesthetically pleasing as a whole, not your individual posts, then people are more likely to follow you. If you just know. open mine up, it looks like <laughs> I'm trying to make you look at your phone with your head tilted like a curious <laughs> dog. your head to the side. <laughs> They're all 45 degree angles. I've caught myself doing yeah, that more now. The though. contrast is all blown out. You're like, what the fuck is Brett doing? You are very into very contrasty photos. Well, it's because I'm a, I've got bipolar disorder. I think it says something about my personality that I like 45 degree angles with blown out shadows. Like oh. Hyper intense lighting. I have, I have caught myself doing that more though since we started dating. We like, what would happen if I just tilted everything to the side? I got that cute photo of the cats like together and that yeah. was like hyper tilted. Oh, I love, yeah. I love 45. <laughs> The Dutch angle, as I learned. <laughs> Go you for remembering that. Thank you to the douch. <laughs> the douch. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was going to say something and now I've forgotten it. Oops. Oh, yeah, I remember. Um, I was going to say, like, I try to post, for the most part, somewhat meaningful, at least to me, content instead of just, like, attention-grabbing content. But obviously, like, I, I want to build an audience because yeah. who doesn't who's trying to build their brand or whatever but like even when you're not actively looking for the weird like bullshit like gimmicky stuff like it still finds you like we've been like growing a little bit as a company like our facebook has gotten some more followers and our twitter and instagram have gotten some more followers and we both also have our own private um account so like we work on building Mm -hmm. those as well and like I've noticed I randomly get weird advertisement-esque emails. I don't know if you get those or not. Like, I have my Instagram set up as a a business Instagram, so it's got an email link to my email. Like, it doesn't say what my email is, so if you don't know my email, you can't email me. But if you click, like, email, it'll let you email me. And um, I got one the other day. I think it wound up in my junk box and I had to, like, delete it. But uh, it was like, I am so in love with you. <laughs> and that was, like, the headline of the email. And I was just like, what? And I, like, clicked on it. And the second line was, your Instagram, that is. And then it was, like, a bullshit. I'm a marketer and I can help you get more followers, you know. And I was just like, oh, oh, Like, they sent that to my Gmail email. I was like, go away. 
Like that is not there for you. That is there for people that like want to work together. <laughs> so I don't, have you ever had that happen to you? No, I don't have my personal oh. account with an email. I don't think. Yeah, like but in the distributor. I think the nightmare box does. We probably got seven thousand emails <laughs> like that. The jump box for that. One. Maybe I should probably check that. But like. I think the distributor, like, because I think my email's on YouTube, found me on YouTube, too, and it's just, like, these weird, like, people that are, like, pay me money, and I might get you famous. Like, nah, I'm good. Thanks, though. I'll just keep hashtagging away. Yeah, if you're new in the game, don't fall for that. It, 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 uh, do not pay somebody to publish your shit. Like, if you're a writer, that's, uh, sign one, you're about to get fucked in the ass. So like, pay us $500, we'll publish your book in returns. And it's like, you're not getting your You'll returns. be the next yeah. bestseller. They're going to take your $500, print your book, fail to distribute it, because they're printing the next book. So. <laughs> yeah. It's tough out there for a... It's hard out here for a... <laughs> for a... And they're trying to get the money for the rent. It's small business over there. <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> so if you uh yeah if if you're trying to get me to pay you to market my shit don't contact me i don't care but if you uh have experience with this and you have a funny story or uh you have tips because you've discovered the secret to social media without showing your tits uh feel free to message us fuck yeah <laughs> and there's there's definitely people out there who are very good at it without being like exploitive in that way and there are people who've done it being exploitive that way that are genuine i i, I guess there's a line maybe i drew too hard in the sand earlier i feel like the difference i feel bad for using the whore thing uh, i didn't mean that <laughs> it's a little aggressive but i feel like the difference is I know models who obviously... There's a difference. I'm not calling models whores. No, I know. I'm not saying that you are. Like, I'm, I'm saying to, like, add to that. Like, I know models who their Instagrams or whatever are pretty much entirely very attractive photos of them because that's what they do. You know, they that's make a job. living off their physical <laughs> appearance or even, like, people that are into acting that post, like, look at me, I'm at this lavish party having the time of my life type photos. Like, they try to, like... Mm -hmm show them living it up as an actor or whatever and like I, I occasionally post selfies of myself or whatever so like I think there's a difference in that like this is what I do for a living and or I even I'm trying to let you into my life if there was like a chick that was a writer who was like here's me on the beach I'm having fun no, in my cute little saying. bikini but I, like yeah, I've got a whole shitload of not me in a bikini, but I've got a bunch of <laughs> shitload of like, pictures of just, you know, what I'm standing on top of boxes. <laughs> that was a cool photo, though. But and like, you took it. It was brilliant. <laughs> Aw, thank you. <laughs> but, yeah. Aw, thank you. <laughs> no! Stop <laughs> making fun of my accent. <laughs> I'm meanie. But, yeah, like, like you said, I, I wouldn't take a picture of my tits and be like hey check out my film mm -hmm. like my selfies are usually like this is how my day went like this is the life lesson i learned today and then yeah. the behind the scenes photo of my film is like go check out my film that's the way to do it i just i don't know anything about social media marketing so <laughs> you should whip your dick out more that's the solution I think it won't get the, you banned yeah. at all <laughs> No, you will get banned. Not on Twitter. Twitter still allows porn. I can still whip my dick out on Twitter. But Twitter allows porn. Fuck no, yeah. I'm just trying to quit. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
why we don't have visual element. I can't helicopter my cock in my own living room. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, you would get banned on Instagram for sure. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, would, I would make a gif and share it all over Facebook. There you go. You sons of bitches. Yeah. Hashtag am writing. I don't know what the rules are on Facebook. I post. Like, I'm not posting pictures. No, not your dick. No, don't, don't post pictures like that, period. But no, like, I do the I do the teasers for the podcast, and I put those up on Facebook, too. Pictures of like, my dick? No! <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> You're being impossible on purpose. No, like, they'll, they'll like, be an F-bomb in, like, one one, yeah. you know, every once in a while. I'm like, is this going to get flagged on Facebook? No, you can't like, get flagged for saying the word fuck. I don't see. I don't know what the rules are for Facebook. Like, fuck, fuck, <laughs> well, this fuck, isn't on Facebook. This fuck, is on... <laughs> fuck, 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 fuck. This is why our show is flagged as explicit, though. Yeah. You're welcome, <laughs> cocksuckers. <laughs> oh. Hey, Jax. Cocksuckers is not your name. We don't have that kind of relationship hey, anymore. <laughs> So what's the next show note? Why? <laughs> Why do you do this to me? We, we just talked about social media marketing, and I was like, I, I need to spice it up. <laughs> um, I am far too sober for this guy. Somebody help me out. Um, no, while you were editing your book, because the fancy diner has a tv that plays the news in the background um it had me thinking about uh if you live in america i'm sure pretty much anywhere you know about this like all the all the stuff with like the shootings and stuff recently and uh, like anytime you ever watch the news that's never anything good so um that had me thinking about because you were working on your book at the same time. Like, character motivation in books? Like, not even just... <laughs> Why are you making a face at me? I'm going somewhere with this. Okay. <laughs> I'm going somewhere with this. I'm just thinking about the shootings in El Paso. So anyway, what's your motivation? No, uh, like, I'm going somewhere. Don't make faces at me. I have a point. Okay, okay, so, nice. like, when bad... Like, we're not currently, like, in a world war or anything like that. <laughs> We haven't actively labeled our current society or, as being in a world war. Or any of our worst. It's <laughs> being war. Uh, but like we've talked. Oh, congressional uh, approval. We've talked Shut about. Up, oh my god! Man. I'm gonna like leave and make you do the podcast by yourself. World war criminals. No. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> we talked about before. Like I don't know about on the podcast, but just the two of us. Like, uh, you know the world wars or Vietnam or anything like that major things going on in society oh, affecting yeah, mm. going on in society <laughs> affecting the the type of uh, creative work that people are like putting out yeah. so because uh, I guess gun control is our our big one like shootings and sure, yeah, yeah. Um, do you think that? Like the current issue in society, whether it's the villain or the the good guy, um, 
effects or should affect, I guess, like the motivation of the characters, like why they make decisions that they make or the things that they're afraid of, like when you're writing or if someone's making a movie or whatever, like, do you look to, or do you think that's an appropriate thing to look to society for like real life fears or motivations that people have Mm -hmm. when you're trying to find motivation for your characters or, or do you think that artists actually influence society? Like you, I think that okay. <laughs> Put the second question on a back burn. Okay. First question was uh, more or less just so I'm following correctly that um, artists should look to society to find something to fear. No, like okay, so if um, like the Area Fifty One thing is like okay. a date that's coming up. Yeah next month um if again if you live in america september you storm it september free up a lot of 20th we're spaces. storming area 51 so if that's the big craze right now in our culture uh let's go storm and find aliens like are we writing more about like Space adventures and like supernatural so. fears. Yeah. Well, you don't get Rambo without Vietnam. Yeah, like that. You don't get the fear of the stalkers in the seventies without the serial murders of the seventies. Yeah. So horror, in and of itself, is grounded in societal fear. It might exploit it and explode it to a point where you don't really see it, right? Like the purge is a beautiful metaphor for the poor and the racial minorities yeah. uh, being wiped out by the rich. That's what purge and hostile are about. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, I think in part it's a response and in part it's an exploitation to another level. So you have to take what you're afraid of now as a country and, and then blow it out to create something that's the same but ten times fucking worse, right? Yeah. The problem that we have right now, as far as I can tell, is under the current situation and not just Trump, including Obama. I'm, I'm not just talking about the past two years. I'm talking about maybe the past ten. Um is there's so much shit to be afraid of every day. Like, I don't know if we're going to war with people. I don't know if we're going to starve to death. I don't know if the climate's going to crush in 10 years. I don't know if I can go to a fucking Walmart. What am I supposed to scare a terrified country with? Yeah. Like, what is there? You know? Like, Americans are simultaneously more sensitive than we've ever been in the history of our country and more hardened than anybody in the history of our country. It was in the fifth grade when the towers came down. What's supposed to scare me like that ever again? Do you find... Chicago's getting people slaughtered by the week for my entire life. If I was a kid growing up in Chicago... What is supposed to scare me? You know? (laughs) 
Do you find that stuff influencing your work, whether it's consciously or unconsciously, though? My first uh, attempt at a book, the one that we've talked about, I don't know if I've talked about it on here, it basically just turned into um, a Fight Club fan fiction because I didn't know how to execute when I was a kid. Um, But there was a protest in Libya uh, before Muammar Gaddafi got killed. I don't want to guess the year because I don't want to be wrong, but I was younger. Um, And basically all these protesters had showed up, peaceful protest, and the military showed up with a helicopter and gunned them all down, fucking slaughtered them all. And I sat down and I wrote half of the, like probably like like 25,000 words, a couple of chapters, um, about this concept of the death of protest. Uh, in my personal response as a, a, a kid, I guess, like a teenager, um, to this Libyan protest getting uh, shut down. So I've definitely done it before. I continue to do it, but I'm also like heavily grounded in Hunter Thompson. So like that's just how I like to watch the world. I don't yeah. know if that's the way everybody treats it, but I think you would be... Um, hard-pressed to scare an audience if you didn't understand what scared them. Yeah. So you have to be able to understand it and then be able to take another step to be like, well, that's horrific, but imagined if they were 10 years old or some shit like that. Yeah. Um, as far as the second question, did you mean that as in, like, blaming the tragedy for the art? No, not so much. I mean, more like we tend to go through trends, I feel like, in movies at least. I don't know about writing, um, about what genre is popular and like what we're trying to put our I attention on. I think you guys in. are still all on the uh, vampire and werewolf love story. <laughs> Pretty sure that's died off. Next Zombies became a big sex. thing after that. <laughs> no, in, in books. <laughs> oh. Um, I thought you meant films. No, I think you guys are still down with erotica and vampires. Not <laughs> yeah, I feel like on the mainstream, you know, audience for I books. I feel like young while. adult novels, for some reason, seem to be all I hear about right now. It's because our Trump has a uh, reading level in third grade. <laughs> but anyway, um, we, don't, we, don't, <laughs> we don't read you know, any of the Walt Whitman. <laughs> we have to read. Uh, Robert Cormier's After the First Death, which I ordered last night for an astounding $3.84. Less than a cup of coffee. I'll let you know if it still scares me like it did when I was reading young adult novels. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean more though, like, um, do we as artists direct where society is putting their attention? Like, well, because we... it's reactionary, I think that that follows. Yeah, yeah. like you, you kind of force people to like mm-hmm. look at this aspect because that's what we're influenced by. Well, art's passive and active. Like it's active, you know. In it's gonna be the weirdest shit I've ever said in my life, but it's. A... If you have, for example, just so I can like ground it in something, my picture that I have, I've got um, over the, or not over anything, but like between the front door and the bedroom, uh, this picture that is uh, world famous of Muhammad Ali after he's knocked out Sonny Liston, uh, first minute, first round in his uh, fight. And he's standing over Sonny Liston, he's screaming, stand up, stand up, you know. And uh, Liston's you know, trying to 
wiggle around until he hits the standing eight count. It's supposed to be an inspirational photograph. But that is a photograph that was taken, so by the time people see it, the moment's already happened. Mm -hmm. But that photograph will forever be like an active reactionary moment. Mm -hmm. It influences society because it, it, it influences me when I look at the picture to be like, you know, believe yourself. It's like the cat holding off the fucking <laughs> It's all um, legal, and I told you, motherfucker. <laughs> I'm going to hit you with a very suspicious punch right now. <laughs> I like the Banksy calendar yeah. that we have. Like, Banksy is an artist that's like, all of his work is well, very... That, the one that we've got for the month of August is the flag of the EU with somebody chipping the paint out of one of the stars, which is to represent Brexit. Mm -hmm. So it's reactionary because everybody's talking about Brexit, so he creates a design, and then people react to that, which makes it an action. Uh, am I making any sense Yeah, right no, now? you okay, are, cool. for sure. All right. <laughs> Sorry, I was listening to you. No, I yeah. Like I keep looking at a lost puppy, and I'm like, I don't know if the words <laughs> coming out of my mouth are making sense to anybody. <laughs> no, it does make sense, yeah. I think it's I mean, part of both. Like, you, you react to something to create a bigger impact, to draw attention to it. Nobody goes to Syria to make a documentary because they don't want people's attention in Syria, you know? <laughs> or, like, uh, I mean, documentaries in general, which I agree, I do think it is both... Um, reactionary and mm -hmm. uh, like encourages people to focus their attention on those things but like uh hypothetically say i was like into learning about various religions but i wasn't like crazy active about it but i was like oh that's an interesting thing yeah. and then we watched that documentary on netflix the cult one or the morgan Freeman? the morgan Freeman one and then, like, you learn more about all these other religions, so it, like, kind of piques your interest. It's like, oh, now I'm actively going to go study more. So, yeah, That's the idea, especially with the documentary. The problem with America is they watch the documentary, they take it for truth, they walk around telling people all the shit. <laughs> it's like, true. oh, so you learn for an hour some shit that was written 3,000 fucking years ago? <laughs> and, and, unfortunately, reality TV is the worst of them all, I think, but all... Except for that TV show you showed me, the fucking trailer. That looks hilarious. Phil Baker's. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to see if I can hunt that down and actually buy it and force you to watch it for real. It's probably garbage. I just remember it fondly because I was young and into <laughs> filmmaking at the time. But Or I'm still into filmmaking, but getting into filmmaking at the time. But... Um, uh, it, Reality TV is, in my personal opinion, hands down the worst of, like, pulling the wool over your eyes. Like, yeah. they pretend like it's real, and it's, I've worked on reality shows Me before. Too. They're scripted. It's not real. Um, they, they purposely add in extra drama and stuff yeah. because people consume it. I went for a security gig when I, was, I still had my security license. I watched a woman pretend to be mad and getting ready to hit somebody with a broom for five takes before they were like okay yeah because we as society 
consume that and feel better about ourselves. You see someone doing worse off than you. You feel good about how you're doing. So uh, I hate to break it to you if you're not aware of that. Reality shows are not actually reality. They are just wrestling. No, <laughs> wrestling is not real either. Um, reality shows are in fact scripted, but to work. Taxation my- stop. <laughs> what? <laughs> to work my way back around to documentaries. To yeah, I agree with what Brett said. Taxation Docu- is stuff. Oh my god. Oh, you agreed. <laughs> I was talking you about documentaries. Talking about documentaries. Um, they are for sure biased a lot of the time. They're not. It's not like. Journalism is a little biased these days too, but it's not like a journalist going out there and being like, hey, I don't want you guys to feel a certain way. A documentary is still a film a filmmaker made that they wanted you to feel a certain way about. Trying to make you lean. So, yeah, maybe don't quote that documentary you watched. No, at best it's objective, but those are few and far between. Most documentaries that you and I try to watch... We get 10 minutes in, we look at each other, go, uh, they're lying. <laughs> well, too, um, I, I mean, I'm like, sure. We're going to hunt down Bigfoot. It's like, I, hey, Kristen, did you read any news articles in the past six months where they found Bigfoot? Me either. All right, cool. <laughs> well, too, though, I mean, like. They're not holding back Bigfoot until the documentary comes out. Like, <laughs> Where the fuck's Bigfoot been during post-production? It's very good at hide-and-seek. It's like uh, Joe DeRosa joke. It's like, the pie-makers are gonna rape each other, and then the pie-makers never rape each other. Because if they did, you would have read about it in the news. <laughs> I don't think I'm familiar with that joke, but that's funny. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> episode's a bit ridiculous i'm sorry guys hey, you're welcome guys <laughs> forgetting that there's a microphone here if you're curious what dinner table talk sounds like this is it oh every night <laughs> but 10 times worse <laughs> i'm sorry that i keep cutting you it's off. okay you're, you're 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 the ship captain you are the captain now i'm, I'm rambling a bit so no, it's all right okay. it's probably good to break it up but <laughs> i said it was gonna be a casual day so uh there you go guys casual fridays on wednesday <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I think too, besides just potentially being biased in the way you make the film, most people probably the head person, like the director or the producer or whatever, like you tend to work on projects that you, you care about or you want to work yeah. on or whatever. I'm not going to go, I, I don't know if somebody hired me, I'd probably take the job, I guess, <laughs> but I'm not going to go work on like Twilight because that's not my called models whores earlier that's all we are it's like I, I, look i'm not gonna do it unless you're willing to give yeah, me, you pay me a significant amount of cash and then i will definitely edit your shitty young adult novel <laughs> we're just whores for the art we're just... i'm not personally putting out twilight but yeah i might go work on twilight if somebody paid me <laughs> uh it's fun fun paving your way in the the world of creativity. Just hanging out in the trenches. Just <laughs> chill it out. And after a while, you get soured. You know? oh, <laughs> yeah, all of the film groups that I'm in are just very bitter people. Yeah. Like, I haven't. I don't been... want to be bitter, but I don't, you know, I'll probably you want to. You don't want to be naive. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're going to be bitter. <laughs> I'm going to be. No, no, if I'm successful, I'm not going to be bitter. I'll still be uplifting. No, you're still going to be bitter. Like, yeah, I'll be sc- like angrily signing at book signings. Yeah, it's like, like, no. Who's he mad at? It's like, it's still his third grade teacher. 
even if you're successful, you're going to be bitter. I'm calling that. <laughs> Who's he mad at today? He fired his third agent today. Like, <laughs> you would why die if somebody like went up to you in he a grocery store and, and harassed didn't know you. To handle it, like he was panicking. <laughs> the first fan that comes up to you with. Kroger or Walmart or whatever, you're flipping your shit and just throwing your basket down and storming out. Like, Mr. Bloom, is that you? And I just punch him in the jaw and you're like, fucking run away. <laughs> Facebook fan page is just like, well, uh, we finally tried to say hi to him and he assaulted us. And it'll, it'll end up being like a thing that catches on. People will be like, oh, I want to see if I can get punched by Brett. <laughs> Getting punched in the face by Shyla. That'll, that'll be <laughs> your fan's badge of honor. <laughs> I don't want his autograph. I want his black eye. <laughs> I want to run up on him, scare him, and see what he does when he's freaked out. Uh, just in case I am ever at the position where you notice me in a grocery store. I don't want that. Uh, but if I am ever in that position and you run up on me in a grocery Probably store, expect to get punched in the face. Stabbed in the abdomen or shot in the chest. <laughs> I don't do well with people moving at me quickly. <laughs> Call from down the aisle, go, Hey, Brad, is it okay if we take your picture? And I'll be like, No, it's not. Not right now, but if you want to meet me over on aisle six in about 15 minutes, I'm sure that I could be talked into it. <laughs> Let me deal with the idea that this is going down. Okay. It's like, all right, I'll see you over there. No, you're going to have to have a bodyguard, not specifically to protect you from your fans, to protect your fans from you. Yeah, I just need you. Have, to have a bodyguard, you, yeah. like, shove the fan out of the way before you can punch them. I need you to carry my gun in your purse. Yeah. So you can be like, Kristen, gun. <laughs> <laughs> I'm my own bodyguard, but I need, like, extra steps. <laughs> but sew your hands into your pants. Kristen, do you have a pen knife so you can cut the, <laughs> where I sewed my hands in my pants? I must fight this gentleman. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Luckily, there. It's a Maybe. lack of people interested in what I do, so I'm going no, to come into a position where I have to fight people at a grocery <laughs> store for wanting to take pictures. I was going to say, luckily, Save there are less people where Taylor we're moving, Slate. but it's also a college town, so yeah. <laughs> you're still going to have that problem. <laughs> that is a hilarious idea, though. Mr. Blue! <laughs> no, I'm predicting it. Like I said, you're not going to need a bodyguard to protect you. You're going to need a bodyguard to protect them. <laughs> <laughs> Tony, go over there. Give him my autograph. I don't want to fucking talk to that dude. I don't. I don't. I, I love you. Uh, <laughs> love me from over there. You, you, you just hang out. I'm buying some beans. I, <laughs> I write because I'm not good at talking to people. So yeah, no. I like your shirt. Good shirt. That's a nice shirt you got on there. Okay, okay, okay. Go back. Back to where you came from. <laughs> um, my last show note. I have no idea what time we're at, but uh, my last show Hour note. Hour two. Ooh, look at us go. Doesn't even feel like it's been that long. When you're doing what you love, it's fun. Um, you were 
making fun of yourself while we were at the laundromat. That's what because, I do. Uh, I'm very good at making fun of myself. You are. <laughs> but you were specifically <laughs> making fun of how sarcastic your writing was. Oh, my was. writing? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, let me get the, yeah, I've got my. I'm ooh, don't read anything important, though. I'm not. I'm going to read a very sarcastic line that I cut today. You can go ahead and keep um, well, you were saying, like, as you were going over it, that it was funny because um, your writing voice was kind of your natural sarcastic voice. And, um, like, do you think that that's a good thing or a bad thing? Like, whenever a voice has, or a voice, a writer has, like, a very distinctive voice in their work? Uh, I, I think it's good to have a voice. It's bad to have your voice. <laughs> um, Especially when your voice is condescending. Yeah, well, that's the problem. Is I am condescending to myself. Um, the, this is gonna get completely reworked. So uh, welcome to a very, very, very rough draft. But uh, Michael's uh, having some issues because there's something upstairs that he does not want his wife Catherine to find. She is in the house that he is in unexpectedly, and is. Um, basically searching the house for drugs because he's in recovery and he's been gone for a couple of days. And uh, he screams, don't, like, no, don't go up there. Um, and then feigns a knee injury to try to, like, earn her sympathies, which is all this is getting cut, so I, I will openly read this all out. But unfortunately, Michael's pretend knee injury, which I have bracketed because this whole thing's going to killed didn't stop Catherine. She merely turned around and stared at him with wide eyes, startled by his outburst. And this is the line. Taking his still nodding head as a sign that he was indeed going to live, she slowly began making her way up the stairs again. <laughs> he was indeed Going to survive his fake injury. Yeah, that's Brett Bloom telling you the story, as opposed to. So that's how I tell jokes. <laughs> so why not your? I know you don't mean yours and you like yours, General. Why not your voice? Well, like I, I, the way that I tell a story is sloppy. You know, like physically, um, writing it's a little more tuned but there's definitely a difference there's a lot of similarities in the way that I write and the way that I speak I get excited it gets clipped so when there's like elevation in a scene it tends to get clipped mm -hmm. um, but I also have a tendency when I speak to break the action to drop little you know like shit like that like seeing that he was obviously going to live. <laughs> you know like when I tell you a story I, I go to the grocery store and it's like well he ran up on me but he obviously wasn't going to mug me you know it, it, it doesn't mm -hmm. <laughs> like I beat his ass like these little like uh, asides that I have in my actual lexicon don't belong in the story itself it pull you out a bit from it narrates mm -hmm. when you do it that way your yeah. writing should have a flow to it that is your own flow but it can't be like your rough draft I, I guess should be written like you're talking into a tape recorder but you have to cut a lot of that to create your own little voice there I don't know it's an interesting thought it's given me but the sarcasm is just 
it's like, why, why did I include that? It's like I'm mad at my own character while I'm telling you the story. <laughs> it's like, well, he had this dumbass idea to fake a knee injury. <laughs> and then she looked back like, hey, dumbass. And it's like, well, can we just get up the stairs? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. And I, I mean, I, I need to start, like I've said on several podcasts now, uh, reading for pleasure more often than I do, but it's given me a lot to think about because I can't remember too, like, really any examples offhand of, like, books I've read that I enjoyed that, like, felt like that. Like, you're reading, like, Dear Diary-esque type writing. And, um, it is, like, having gone to college and, like, heard that because, like, I, I took a couple of writing classes while I was briefly minoring in writing and um that was like a big thing like the whole concept of show Mm -hmm. don't tell so like thinking back on like works you've read and stuff like that like oh like that does like pull you out and then where like other writers effectively do it it almost feels like you're watching a movie instead of reading a book like you're just flowing with the story it's the one I love to bring up. Fucking Cormac McCarthy. Doesn't even need a goddamn comma. <laughs> <laughs> That's how beautiful the verse is. That is a specific voice mm-hmm. that nobody else can quite pull off. But it's in film as well. Like You know when you're watching a Tarantino or when you're watching a Kubrick, like... That's a Tarantino and that's a Kubrick. <laughs> They're vastly different mm-hmm. ways of shooting a film. Where do you think that your voice comes out when you're when you're filming? I don't know that I've really established one for like my films yet, honestly. I think I'm still which is oh, I am kind of fascinated um with it in writing cuz I mean literally everything you're putting on the page is you know to some degree like your voice or your style or whatever cuz it's literally like stuff you're creating from nothing. Mm. Um and like since I'm not a writer, I'm making my work based off of someone else's work because mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't write scripts. So uh, like finding what my voice and what my style is to effectively like differentiate my film from their original written work is still something I'm kind of exploring and what I enjoy and what I I think works and what I think doesn't work. But like. Would writing you a very vague script help, do you think? I don't know. Like, if I just said, like, for example, Tim walks into a bar and starts talking to the bartender, and then script Tim says, hey, bartender, I want a whiskey. And I put the full responsibility of Tim walks into a bar and starts talking to the bartender entirely up to you. I mean, I I do think it would force me, which you don't like put you've done it once or twice but you don't really put a lot of um like literal like camera direction in your scripts when you're doing screenplays because you're not supposed to put like camera direction so that's good that you don't do that but um like i think if you know the script was more vague it would force me i guess to think more about how i want the shot to look versus like if you're pulling it in like tight like at certain points and pulling back at other points but I don't mean like at that level like I do know I for whatever reason am a very big fan of cool toned yeah. uh, images you like use I that a lot. yeah I don't like um 
when they're done well, I enjoy them, but for whatever reason, I don't like warm shots. Like, mm. they're, like, visually offensive to me for some reason. <laughs> I really don't like the color. So what are you, happy? Get the well, I really don't like the color yellow. I don't know why. Like, my whole life I've always thought that. Like, I don't find the color yellow an attractive color. Yeah, like, and my notepad is also yellow, which I don't mind this because this is a muted yellow. Like, yeah. pastels don't bother me, but, like, that is an ugly color. Like, that Highlighter card. Highlighter yellow. Yeah. I don't like the color yellow. I don't know why. So, like, warm shots, I'm always just kind of like, ugh, that's not attractive. <laughs> I'm, like, blue and green, depending on the shade, are my two favorite colors. So I like very, like, not, like, excessively cold shots, because yeah. you can overdo it, but well-done cold shots are, like, my favorite. So I do tend to lean towards, like, colder shots. But, like, as far as, like, stylistically, like, the way my shots are framed or, like, the way the lighting is done or whatever, I haven't really found, like, my preference there yet, because I'm still kind of learning, but... It's yeah. interesting when you watch a movie when all the light comes from overhead or all the light seems to come from the left or all the light seems to come from the right or from below. Like there's there's people that definitely lean yeah. as filmmakers, directors and stuff. And there are some uh, directors who are very into like symmetrical shots. So like mm -hmm. both sides of the frame are like perfectly or lined still up. Shots and, yeah. versus like city shots. Yeah, and There's definitely a voice to the camera as well. I have found, just because I don't personally do them very often, like after we did um, Ziggy, we used a wide lens a lot on Ziggy because it was such a tight place that we were filming all of the like apartment shots that I didn't have a ton of options there. And I have found a bit of an affinity for wide shots since we did that. Like I... It's interesting. Yeah, I mean, you can't do them too much because it pulls you too much yeah. out of the story. Like, especially if you're shooting on a wide lens because it, it makes the scene look a little different. Um, I like being able to see, like, more of the scenery mm -hmm. and kind of get, like, a, a feel for, like, the vastness of a shot for some reason. <laughs> There's a, a brilliant example you guys can look up on YouTube. But I think of what you're talking about, but I've definitely shown it to you before because we've had this conversation. Um of uh, the Peaky Blinders scene where um, Tommy's about to get executed. Mm, yeah. Yeah, and it's like that super wide shot of a super flat field and then like three guys that seem super small in the middle of all of that. Like those like super wide. And I like that example in particular. You can pull it into just those three people and you can almost feel the distance. Yeah, like I like that example in particular because like when it's well done, like depending on what the scene is or the scenery or whatever, like um, wide shots in particular feel kind of distancing so they can feel like a little unpersonal sometimes, which is why you don't need to overdo them. But like in that uh, example, if I'm remembering right, like it seems like when you see the wide shot like so open and empty that it feels kind of hopeless yeah. so like if you, if you yeah, yeah if you do it effectively it can really influence the mood so i don't know i have never at any point until we did ziggy i don't think really worked much with uh wide shots and wide lenses because i was like you know still exploring mm -hmm. that let me like focus on the details where i need to focus on the details and there's like a shot in the dolls where uh I did a uh, cutaway shot of her like putting her cup down on the table Going and through the window. Well, no, after she oh, had come back yeah. into the bedroom with the glass of water, um, the shot that we 
and which I think was a wide shot actually, the shot that we had of the two of them sitting on the bed together, all you see is her walk over to the table and put her cup down. And you can't see her putting her cup down. So I was like, oh, I should do a cutaway shot of that just so people can see like when she sits down, the cup's not in her hand because she put her cup down. And like when we shot that scene, it was a close up of her putting the cup on the table. And it seemed weirdly like when I was editing it, it was too late to change it at that point because we'd already finished filming the movie. Um, like way too much importance was put on this cup that she was sitting on the counter. And the only reason I filmed that shot was because in the other shot, you couldn't see her do it. And I was like, now it feels like the cup is very significant and it's not. Yeah. <laughs> like the significance was when she was in the kitchen. So like, I don't like Ziggy was like my first kind of real exploration with wide shots. Cause I had been doing like close ups and medium shots like the whole time. And then I was like my own, uh, quote unquote mistakes were made. I was like, this cup now seems way too important and it's not important <laughs> at all. <laughs> like I could have done with a wide shot that just showed the counter and her setting it down. <laughs> it's an interesting thing. I'm not going to claim that I've a hundred percent found my voice. I think if you find your voice, you're fucked up because you're not developing your voice as you're growing. Well, I think, I mean, yeah, I would hope your whole career and my whole career we're both working on finding that, but I think as a writer, you're forced to start exploring it well, I can't from copy. the beginning. Yeah, yeah you yeah. can't. You start copying, and then you figure it out. Like, I copied a lot of Polonek. I, I rewrote some of his chapters to understand what he was talking about. Um, but, like, it's, it, it's totally, like, if you, like, wanted to write music, you gotta learn how to write sheet copy. Like you're gonna copy Beethoven a hundred times on the piano before you become Beethoven on the piano. Mm -hmm. like, um, you can pursue it up to the point where you're like, well, I, you know, I do a good imitation of uh, Dave Matthews Band on the <laughs> guitar when we're drinking with my friends, or I wrote this song today. You know, you're gonna write a lot of songs. People are gonna go, well, that sounds like a Dave Matthews Band. Until it doesn't. I'd be like, well, damn, I can't believe you wrote that song, you know. <laughs> Finding yourself, it's the beauty of it. But I'm too drunk to continue this podcast, and I'm ready to get dinner on the fucking road. So. Okay. I love you. I love you. Should we do some plugs? We should do some plugs. You can hit us up on that email lab. Uh, nightmareboxproductions at gmail.com and twitter at at nightmareboxpro you can gram us your instas send us your grandma's insta at <laughs> at nightmareboxproductions <laughs> and you can go watch the dolls at kristen pennington at youtube.com uh, youtube.com slash kristen pennington <laughs> what else the website you can go on uh, nightmarebox the nightmare box dot blog the nightmare box dot blog the scroll right on down to the bottom right hand corner you're going to find a little link down there and you send me 10 bucks and I'll send you my book autographed no matter where the fuck you live in the world <laughs> just give me your address book will be in the mail tomorrow so um Facebook Facebook at facebook.com slash nightmare box productions I'm going to go sit the down on the couch and ride out this ocean that I'm 
Shitting on right we're, now. <laughs> uh, if we're still in that mood, potentially going to watch House of a Thousand Corpses. So pray for me. <laughs> Send your thoughts and prayers. Fuck you, mama. Fuck you, daddy. <laughs> Most of all, fuck you. <laughs> so the music while uh, uh, we're making dinner will probably be aggressive. Yeah, so. Tool, Slipknot, <laughs> Rob Zombie. I'm going to fight the neighbors. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. But... <laughs> Uh, if I don't survive that, I love you guys, and I love you. I love you. And I'll talk to you guys next week.